Welcome to Tama Talks, where we ask those involved in restaurant technology and innovation to share their story and help us inspire others. I'm your host, Tama Looney, and today I'm joined by the lovely Amy LaFranc, who heads up field marketing for Edible Arrangements. Welcome, Amy. It is great to have you with me today. Thank you so much, Tama. To get us started, would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, my name is Amy LaFranc, as you mentioned, and I lead the field marketing team at Edible Arrangements. And basically what that means is I am in charge of really driving um, sales locally for our local markets. So if you think about Edible Arrangements, it's a, you know, it's it's really an e-com platform, but my job is to help drive traffic locally into the actual brick and mortar locations. That's great. So it's a little bit of the reverse of what most restaurant brands, and I know you've grown up in the restaurant industry, um, are dealing with, right? It typically goes from local over to e-commerce, and now it's going from e-commerce down to local. So tell me a little bit about your experience in the past and how that has transitioned and helped you to be successful in your job today. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I I do have a really robust um, kind of restaurant uh, QSR background. Um, I started my career right out of college at Hardee's. Then I transitioned over to Arby's and was there for a good chunk of my career for about eight years, um, mainly in field marketing, but transitioned into a brand role and then kind of parlayed that brand role into a role at um, Ovation Brands and um, then left Ovation Brands and went to Crystal Restaurants and spent some time there in field marketing again, and then flipped kind of back over to the brand side um, at Huddle House, and then it's landed me here at Edible Arrangements. So, you know, it's it's been a 20 plus career, um, year career, I should say, really, you know, covering a lot of different restaurant chains. And this, you know, at Edible has been, um, you know, my first chain as, you know, as you can hear from the brands, that's really more about, you know, it's more of an e-com type platform, but I think where, where I can come in and really do a successful job. And I think I've, I've done that so far in my career here is, is bringing that restaurant experience to edible because like, like you mentioned, it, it is kind of the opposite of what other restaurants are trying to do in terms of getting more digital, getting more, um, you know, e-commerce driven, we, we've kind of already done that at Edible. And so what we're trying to do is actually get people into our actual stores. You know, when I was, when I was actually interviewing for the job, just speaking very candidly, you know, doing my research, of course, like everyone does for job interviews, I didn't even realize there were actual Edible stores. So, you know, I think there's a, there's, you know, we, we've come a long way, but I think there's a long way yet to go to really bring awareness to the actual store level of the Edible arrangements. We're focusing on innovation during this series. So can you tell me a little bit about what that word means for you and how you foster it for yourself and for with, with, with your team? Yeah, so innovation, you know, it's it's a word that's used in the industry a lot. Um, and, you know, a lot of people think of it as creativity, um, you know, coming up with a great sales driving initiative, um, and, you know, which all those things are part of it. I'm not trying to say it's not, but to me, what innovation is, is about, you know, really improving processes where we can. 
Um, and, you know, that's a lot of what field marketing is in terms of, um, you know, trying to find the best way to go about doing things. And, and by things, I mean driving sales. So, you know, from me, from, you know, from my process side of things as it, as it relates to innovation, you know, it's not some crazy mathematical, you know, um, silver bullet that comes out. It's more, you know, it's more an iterative process in the sense that, you know, you're working with others um, that, you know, I'm a big, big believer in developing relationships, especially with people smarter than me, as well as people more experienced with me. And that's where a lot of the franchisees in any business, especially here at Edible, come into play with that experience. So working with others, asking others, bringing, you know, my experience from from my past, but then seeing what others are doing as well and working together and developing kind of kind of the best way to, to drive sales. And honestly, it's a lot of trial and error and testing. You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. And not everything's going to work and that's OK. <laughs> you learn from it and you move on. That's great. I love that you mentioned the franchisees, too, because Amy and I work together at Arby's, uh, which is a heavily franchise system. So talk to me about how franchisees can help to foster innovation with your team and how do you really take that and bring it up to the corporate level? Or do you really just keep it down uh, and try to react off of that? Um, it's really it's really both. I mean, franchisees, um, you know, they they carry a wealth of knowledge. Most of them do, you know, in terms of their longevity with a brand. And like you said, you know, coming from the Arby's background, which was heavily franchised, you know, really through through Edible today, you know, they, they've kind of seen it all, you know, <laughs> franchisees, and they, they kind of know what works and what doesn't work. Not saying that, you know, you can't bring up old things again, certainly, you know, things can be redone, but, you know, you really need to listen to franchise partners and, and hear what their experience has been with certain ideas and certain sales driving initiatives or campaigns or whatever. Um, and, and really kind of foster that, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, the best franchisees are those that are open and willing to listen and learn. And, um, that's what I try to do myself, you know, and I think, I think we owe our franchisees that ability as well to listen and learn from their experience and and develop programs from there. That's great. So a lot of people have gone digital during COVID. And so they are struggling to get people to come back in their locations. And you are handling this for a brand that has been typically. So I think you could really help those in the industry that are going to be opening up their locations and trying to get traffic back into their stores. What are some pieces of advice that maybe you've used from your own toolbox that could help as they transition from that digital space that so many people are living into now into getting them back into their locations or even maybe using their digital uh, items to get more sales on a local level? Yeah, I mean, it, um, it, it. it's actually, it's funny. It's, you know, like I mentioned with Edible, it's been a struggle since before COVID. And then of course it got amplified once once COVID started, like it, like it did in the whole restaurant industry. But the way we've been kind of able to weather that is, is it's funny, you know, getting back to innovation on the innovative, on the innovative side of things. So one of the things that we were able to, to do really quickly when, when COVID first started was we looked at our, our product set and the things that we have in our store and we realized, hey, you know what? People don't want to get out of their house. They can't because they're quarantined. 
and we have this great fresh fruit platform. You know, maybe they don't want it cut up and in an arrangement, but why can't we sell them whole melons? Why can't we sell them, you know, a 12 dozen strawberries or, um, you know, whole pineapple or things like that? I mean, people still want fruit, <laughs> um, but maybe not in a, in a gifting format. So, you know, we quickly pivoted and made available produce boxes um, and really hats off to our leadership team for, for being able to be that nimble. And that's what I would, I would challenge any brand is, being able to be nimble and quickly make change and realize that you're not limited to just, you know, what you always offer every day, you know, look at and see what the need is out there. I think Arby's and Panera did that as well, you know, selling meats. I think they, I believe they started doing, you know, during COVID as well. So it's not so much about the sandwiches and the things that they offer every day, but it's, it's, you know, using it in a, in a format that and competing with grocery stores, to really answer the COVID call, um, you know, and, and respond to what's going on in the industry. So, you know, really what I would say is it's, it's about being nimble, it's being okay with change and being able to change and to, and to have that mindset that, okay, well, you know, I understand that someone doesn't want to buy an arrangement right now, but maybe they could buy, you know, a whole produce um, box is what we call them, you know, to, to fulfill that fruit need and, and save somebody a trip to the grocery store. Awesome. I'm going to switch paths a little bit. So as you know, we're primarily focused in the restaurant industry, which is the backbone of America. And it's interesting, too, if you look at industry statistics, women and men enter the industry at about the same rate, but basically 50% of the entry-level positions in the restaurant are filled by women. However, only 18% of the C-level positions are filled by women. So why do you think that is? You know, kind of why did you choose to work in this industry as a woman in an executive position? Um, and have you seen a change in this over time? Why? Why not? Let's dig into that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad. I'm, I hadn't really thought about the the woman aspect, especially when earlier in my career, you know, I just wanted a job. You know, right out of college, I, I graduated, you know, right around when 9-11 happened and jobs were were hard to hard to come by. And so... I didn't, you know, fresh face, not really knowing anything about the corporate world, you know, just kind of jumped right in. And it wasn't until later in my career that I realized that that women were not in leadership roles, um, you know, at, at previous places that I had been at. And it, and it was a slow gain to finally to, to get people into those roles. And I think what's great about Edible is if you look at our leadership team, we are very diverse, not just by women, but by, you know, different races and different backgrounds. And um, I think that makes all the difference. And, you know, you're talking about innovation, talking about change and growing and becoming a successful brand. You need those different backgrounds. Um, and again, you know, I think obviously I am a woman. So I think, you know, having a woman perspective on the leadership level is definitely important, but I also think having different, you know, backgrounds and races is important as well. Um, you know, I think I think we're very short-sighted if we think that companies can only be run by, you know, by old white men. I hate to say that phrase, but that's, you know, that's that's typically what you've seen, you know, at least when I first started in my career. And thankfully now that's really evolved and, that, and you don't see that every day. So let's talk about your role now. So you've been with Edible for how long? Um, I've been at Edible for just over a year. I hit my year anniversary on January 6th. 
Perfect. Well, what grabbed your attention about that role? Why did you choose to go there? Um, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, you know, it, it, to me, it was a departure, but kind of in the same lane as food. Um, and so it was, it was a different brand to get into without, you know, completely doing something brand new. You know, it's still, there's still stores, there's still the brick and mortar, which, which is kind of my bread and butter. But then there is this obviously huge e-com platform associated with it. And, you know, that was something new to me and um, something I was very interested in, um, you know, with, I thought would be good for my career. Great. How, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your role? Maybe it's on the e-commerce side, which would be new, you know, newer. Are there organizations? Is there a source that you use a lot? How do you tend to do your research to be able to stay on top of the trends or ahead of the trends? Um, you know, really for me, it's, it's leaning, it's two things. It's, it's one kind of just doing my own research when I can, um, you know, uh, across the industry, you know, via, um, different trade publications and things like that. But really, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a big people person and in my mind, it's, it's leaning on the resources that are around me and we have a great e-commerce team who is always willing to teach and um, share their knowledge. And so it's me asking a lot of questions and why do we do this? Why do we do that? You know, when we get into our busy holidays, like we just came out of with our, with Valentine's day is the busiest holiday for us. You know, we, we have this all hands on deck mentality where no matter what your role is, you know, whatever, whatever the need is out there, whether it's chatting with customers on our website whether it's helping our stores manage their inventory levels and cut things off if we need to, you know, the whole, the whole company jumps in. So that's been, you know, really great. I've been able to, to really understand our web presence and our e-com platform a lot better by being able to jump in and kind of understand the ins and outs and back end and, and all of that. And our, our company, while it's a good sized company, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's small for, for a large brand that we are. So, you know, it, you're able to touch a lot of things is what I'm trying to say and, and able to um, ask a lot of questions and get a lot of answers. And, you know, it's not, it's not stuff that's siloed, um, which I know, you know, happens at a lot of brands. Um, we're not the case there. You know, we, we work really well together and collaboratively. That's great. And you alluded to it earlier, utilizing your franchisee base as their innovation, you know, experts as well. So, so those are all great things to be able to tap into cross-functionally with a, a robust team. So great. All right. So what's the biggest area uh, that you're curious about now and why? You know, for me, um, and I think it's just because of my background in media, it's just always trying to find out what that new it source of uh, media is going to be, you know, what's going to be the best that drives traffic? You know, is it still TV? Is it OTT? Is it social media? Um, you know, because, because that's really what it's about. It's about getting impressions and getting people aware of the brand, um, and, and driving sales locally. So how best to get those messages out is what I'm always interested in learning about and, and understanding. And so, you know, like I mentioned, leaning heavily on franchisees, but also leaning on our agency partners who are, you know, obviously super well-versed in that. Um, and, and, you know, just being open to learning and trying new things. Like I mentioned earlier, it's about testing and trial and error. And so let's try any kind of new platform we can and see what happens, you know, and see how it drives, drives the drive sales. 
and getting back to our e-com team, you know, they really manage all of our national digital efforts. And so, like I, like I said earlier, you know, just kind of learning from their trial and error and what works, you know, and trying to parlay that locally um, it has been something that I've been working on as well. So like TikTok is, is a great example. Um, it's something that we've done at the national level that's been that's been successful. So we're looking at, you know, in local markets, how how can this be done locally if it can, you know, and that's something we're considering right now as a good example. You mentioned social media, media, TV. I think most people know that. Can you articulate what or elaborate on what OTT is? Um, OTT means over the top. So it's um, it's a digital TV um, uh, ad. So think like YouTube TV. Um, or Hulu TV, you know, where, where the ads are um, uh, through the computer, basically, and streaming, so streaming services. Yeah. Perfect. So what's the biggest challenge you have right now? And how do you know how you're going to overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me and, and for my team, the biggest challenge is just getting that awareness and that hyper-local awareness around our stores. Um, like Like I mentioned earlier, the the we're kind of the opposite of of restaurants right now where we're trying to get more awareness at the store level versus you know at the at the e-com platform or at the web level and so you know i think that is my challenge and it's been my challenge since i've started um and so it's a matter of just getting a plan together and and understanding okay how best are we going to drive these sales locally and planning it and and putting together the tactics and and getting it out there so um you know, that's that's really what my team is is focused on um, and setting those goals and, and accomplishing that. All right. So you've been there for a year, which means you started at the onset of COVID. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> um, what are some key initiatives or learnings coming out of COVID that really surprised you? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I think I think that the hard thing for me and, and for my team is, you know, right when COVID hit, which was, you know, mid-March, of course, last year, um, we were all set to travel and to really have that one-on-one FaceTime with our franchisees. You know, we like I mentioned, Valentine's Day is our busiest holiday. So we were kind of at the office learning, you know, understanding our role. And then in March, the plan was, okay, you're going to go out and travel to, to all your different markets and meet with franchisees and foster those relationships and talk about building sales locally. Well, obviously that that all did not happen because of COVID. And so what, what I learned the most is, is you know how to how to not do in-person face-to-face visits and still have a successful relationship with with my franchise partners and you know a lot of phone calls a lot of emails a lot of zoom calls you know obviously zoom changed the industry for all of us but just just being nimble and and figuring out a, a different way to communicate you know it was a surprise to me that's for sure as it was to all of us agreed we are big advocates of Google as well. So the Google Meetings app, um, which they do support global payments and we do support them. So I will give them a shout out here. <laughs> but uh, that being said, correct. I completely agree with you. Uh, and then again, just thinking through your expertise, what you're solving here and trying to get more of that in-store experience. We've seen it over the last even 10 years prior to COVID. I think COVID definitely uh, moved it to the forefront of everyone's minds, which is people are going to e-commerce. And so a lot of people are going to look at edible arrangements and say, 
you guys have the ideal setup. You guys have the e-commerce uh, as the number one and the, the local. And so I know when we looked at national competitors in terms of the malls closing and things like that, experience, experience, experience was one of the things that they were trying to get to keep that store traffic up. So if I were to give you, let's just say, I'm going to say a million, but let's just pretend it could be a billion extra dollars for you to be able to spend on that in-store experience or whatever you think that you need to be successful in driving traffic to your locations, because so many people are going to be doing this. How would you spend it? That is a great question. I think the biggest thing I would do for, for edible, um, this is going to sound kind of, kind of elementary and crazy is I would, I would build it at the signage level. And, um, you know, we, the thing with edible right now is a lot of our facilities are, are, um, older and in kind of different locations or harder locations, um, to find, I should say. And so what I would do is just create more visibility at the signage level and just make our, our storefronts, our logo signs, everything as big and as massive as it can be, along with lights and signage that would really draw attention to the store. Um, like I mentioned, I think that's the biggest hurdle that we have right now is just the awareness of our actual stores. So, you know, I think that would be the first step. The second step would be to do targeted mail, email, um, social campaigns to, to, customers around our trade areas to create that awareness to let people know that we are there so not only are we hopefully getting the passers by but we are hopefully driving people that didn't even realize we were there to our stores so um really no matter the budget you know i think i trust me it'd be great to have a million dollars but i think the biggest thing for me is is store awareness you know what we can do what tactics we can do and put money towards to drive um sales and then once we get them in the store you know i think for us the biggest thing is getting upsell and sampling and getting people to try our products you know we always say we are you know in the business of creating wow experiences and so i think we do that with our deliveries you know when someone gets an arrangement i think that's your first reaction is wow i got a delivery and look how great this looks well we want to create that in the store level as well um, and so when people walk in and, you know, they can, they can pick up a platter that they may have forgotten to order for their kids' schools or, um, some chocolate chip cookies or some cheesecakes and, you know, not just fruit. Um, you know, there's a lot more different other products that we have out there, like our chocolate, like our, we actually have flowers now and, um, um, cheesecakes and cookies and brownies. And, you know, there's a lot of different occasions that all those products can be used for, um, not just, you know, for an arrangement or a gift, but, you know, for parties and things like that. So those are the three big things for me. It's about driving awareness. It's about, it's about, you know, getting folks into the stores through the best media that we can. And then, um, you know, just, just good old fashioned upselling <laughs> once we get them in the door, you know, how do we, how do we get them to spend more? So. All right, so you were chosen to do this Tama Talks because you have been an inspiration to me along my career. I would love to hear who or what inspires you. Um, you know, I think what inspires me is just, you know, people like yourself um, who um, who really care about the brands that they work with and the people that they work with. You know, I think brands are important, obviously, but at the end of the day, it's, 
it's the people. So I've been lucky in my career to have some really great bosses and mentors and I, to the point where I didn't even really necessarily consider them a boss, um, but just some great mentors in my life. And it's made the, the working experience enjoyable. It's made me want to get up in the morning and go to work. Um, and I think that is the most important thing um, with any job, any career that you're in. It's not as much as important about the brand that you work for, but the people that you work with. And I would say that's my biggest piece of advice to anyone looking for a good job is to enjoy the people that you work with and 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 to hopefully, you know, if, as you are in leadership positions to mentor and to bring that um, leadership to others, you know, and pass it along. Um, that's what, great mentors in the past have taught me and and i hope to do the same to to people who are are up and coming in their career as well i love it and that actually parlays well into this question which is if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18 year old self 19 20 whenever you joined the industry what would you tell her huh, that is a good question um I would probably tell her not to dye her hair as yellow as I did <laughs> in the in the early 2000s. Now, um, you know, I would say to have confidence. I think that was something that I didn't have a lot of coming out of college. You know, I, I was a good student and um, but for some reason just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. Um, and so just, you know, really having the belief um, that you can do it and to have that strong, keep that strong worth ethic that I have and that I grew up with. Um, you know, if you work hard, you can, you can make money anywhere. And that that's always been my mentality. So really, I think I, I would look at that 21 year old and say, you know, just have the confidence and the, and the belief in yourself to be able to do what you're doing and you'll do great. I love that. All right, then I'm going to start with my same question that I do with everything. What is your best tip for making the world a better place? Hmm. I would actually say to laugh. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of silly, um, you know, especially in corporate life and corporate America. But, um, you know, knowing that you're going to make mistakes um and and that's gonna happen um and knowing that you can fix those mistakes and work hard to to be a better worker be a better person and improve your career but you got to laugh along the way otherwise it's not worth it um and you'll just you know just kind of be be a miserable wreck so what i would say is you know do your job work hard but at the end of the day, it is a job. <laughs> it's not everything. And so if you're not laughing, if you're not enjoying yourself, then I think you should think about a different career. I think those are great words of advice. All right. Well, I do want to thank my guest, Amy LaFranc, the head of field marketing at Edible Arrangements for joining us today and helping to continue to inspire me and hopefully our listeners as well. So we're looking forward to watching the great ways, Amy, you continue to innovate and inspire your team. So I want to thank our audience as well for joining us. If you would like to reach out to me directly, you can email me at tama.looney at zenial.com. And that's it for Tama Talks today. Tune in as we continue to feature restaurant professionals who create, inspire, and innovate and are continually pushing others to do the same. Thanks again, Amy. Thanks so much for joining. 
If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming episode, we want to hear from you. You can reach us at tablestakes at zenial.com. Tablestakes is produced by Michael Kowalski. Our audio engineer is Joseph Hawk, and I'm your host, Andy Grindstaff.